welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine. Hello and welcome again to a, part two of a special edition of The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I was having so much fun uh, talking to Red Pereira yesterday about uh, the... Uh, walk, we walked down memory lane and chatted about many, many greats from the West Indies past, uh, most of whom that were mentioned recently in an article by Tony Becker that didn't feature in international cricket for the West Indies. And we also looked at uh, the passing, recent passing of Arthur Morris and uh, Joe Solomon, whose uh, 85th birthday uh, was, was yesterday. Uh, Joe, Joe Solomon was uh, from your own native Guyana, Reds. Yes, um, he was from that famous Port Moran area, which produced, of course, uh, Rohan Kanai, Alvin Kalitran, Basil Butcher, and a long time before that, somewhere around 48, 49, a fast bowler called John Trim, who went to India and also went to Australia. Um, Rohan Kanai played before uh, Solomon got in. Solomon got in in 58, 59 uh, on that tour to India and Pakistan. Kanai had gone to England in, in 57. But, I mean, Solomon really, I think, uh, was the glue um, over the years um, in the Middle Order. He didn't quite convert the many half centuries into hundreds. I mean, uh, the fact that, you know, his test average may look ordinary to the modern-day person, um, I don't think reflects how, how good a player he was. He was solid in the middle order, and he was always consistent. He never failed twice in, in a test match, and he was always coming in with that uh, 50, 60, and, and 70. And maybe it's, it's really um, uh, a shame that he didn't really uh, convert um, a, a solid middle order batsman. Player who was on West Indian in, in 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 many a respect, he didn't have the the flash of, of the Sobers and the Canais and the Butchers and, and the Nurse and things like that. But he was solid, and I think that was why Sir Frank Worrell liked him in the middle order because it, he was dependable Joe, and um, he served. Uh, you know, British Guyana, then Guyana cricket a lot. His first class averages in to the 40s. Um, a, a, a lot of hundreds, uh, Joe Solomon. He can be fairly proud about at the um, at the regional level. And, of course, he's got a double. And he served, um, you know, cricket well. He was the, uh, the Guyana manager. He managed the West Indies to India on the Kali Churan. He was a selector. And uh, I think Joseph, uh, Joseph Stal- uh, Stanislaw Solomon mm-hmm. is uh, something of a unique West Indian player, uh, maybe uh, whose value probably uh, we, we don't quite uh, um, respect and, 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 uh, and hold um, in, in high esteem. Mm. There's, there's an irony as well that arguably one of the uh, most memorable still photo stills in cricket history is uh, something that Solomon did but did as a fielder that uh, 
image from the final ball of the tied test match running out Mekith. Yes, he, he is well renowned for that. Uh, but I think in terms of West Indies' performance, uh, his contribution with the bat was consistent over the years. Mm. It's, uh, there's a, an irony as well. I mentioned Arthur Morris there as, as well, who we talked about yesterday. Uh, certainly in England, one the, probably the most played and played pieces of footage of Arthur Morris in England in the last 50 or 60 years uh, is actually of him bowling, because he was the guy who served up a nice little leg-side uh, long hop to Dennis Compton to secure the Ashes in 53. But he didn't really bowl that much, did he? Well, I think uh, the great tour for Arthur Morris was the 48, uh, the, the, the Bradman um, team. 696 runs, almost 700 runs. Uh, really, um, you know, he, he, he led for, from, from the top. And, you know, over the years he's been, you know, regarded as Betts' bunny. Um, well, not a bad man to maybe lose your, your wicket to very often. But he did get 200s against uh, Alec Betts. When he played against us in 51, I don't believe he, he was um, the same um, player he was in, in, in 48. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, when he came out in 55... You can see that he was uh, uh, a man who was, in fact, an outstanding player. He was starting to go. He did get a, a, a 111 in, 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 in Port of Spain. Uh, I saw him in Border. He got um, two scores on the 50. But nice style. And I, I think later in years, as I saw uh, Mark Taylor, uh, there was a little kind of resemblance in technique, a very good technique. I don't know why... Um, it's felt that he was affected by the West Indian heat. Now, you don't believe that uh, that kind of a tag will go to an Australian. <laughs> um, but whether it was more humid on, 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 on that tour, um, well, it's, it's hard to compare. Uh, but A.R. Morris, um, you know, you, you're here, but A.B. develops well, you really should refer to uh, Arthur Morris, uh, the late, as, as A.R. And he later served the Australian... Um, Parliament, Captain Australia twice, and and, and illustrious career, one of the best left-handed batsmen the world has ever seen. Mm, no, absolutely, and his, his figures bear that out. I, I I went away from our chat yesterday, uh, Reds, to to check some figures because you'd mentioned Desmond uh, Lewis, who'd opened for the West Indies uh, in the early nineteen seventies, and you were quite right, quite remarkable figures, three Test matches. 259 runs with a high score of 88, averaging 86. I mean, he surely is one of the unsung, <sighs> forgotten men of West Indies cricket. Yes, he got in um, in the Indian tour, didn't play all five test matches, played three. And uh, really was outstanding, um, really surprised everybody with, with, with the bat. And, um, you know, in 1972, when uh, New Zealand came, there was no De De Desmond Lewis. Um, the selectors went for Michael Finlay. And in 73, when Australia came, the initial keeper was Michael Finlay. And then it was Murray, Derek Murray, who, who, who took over. But, you know, when I think of Desmond Lewis, I also think of, of Brian Davis, the Trinidad and Tobago Western Indian opening batsman. If you look at the 65 tour by Australia, a very good Australian attack. He opened with Conrad Hunt, the late Conrad Hunt. 
and the two of them put together a 50 partnership every time mm. I think uh, they, they, they batted in a test match. Yet, um, Brian Davis uh, was selected uh, to go to India after that, but never played in a, another test match. And uh, for one who had such a solid start to an opening batsman career, I think uh, he, he can go into the same column as Desmond Lewis. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was many names that we didn't get to discuss in the, the first half of uh, uh, this this programme, um, but perhaps my favourite name that we haven't mentioned yet, because it's just such a lovely Caribbean name, is Ralston Otto. Yes, um, I think that um, he had maybe one outstanding um, regional season and I think he needed to put together, and some people will differ, uh, put together another a couple of seasons like that to really force his way in. He would fall in the column of many who probably came at the wrong time. Possibly needed to get into a longer tour where there would be a number of county matches and state matches. Um, but um, a very attractive player, very... Uh, right-handed stroke player and um, really nice to watch. Uh, very entertaining. Hardly was bogged down at the regional level, but probably needed a couple of seasons under his belt at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, another name to conjure with that uh, Tony Becker shared with us was uh, was Teddy Griffith. Yes, he was Barbadian-born, um, but I think uh, went to school um, in Jamaica at university and qualified through the university system because in those days they played in the Jamaica first class season and he was able to qualify to play for Jamaica. Solid left-handed opening batsman. I saw him in, in when we had intercolonial cricket. Solid left-hander, um, but, uh, you know, just needed an opportunity, but... Um, it was so difficult. He falls into that category of, of, of just maybe coming at, at the wrong time. Mm. Well, so so many players were unfortunate in a similar way in a period uh, rich with uh, uh, batting and bowling in the Caribbean. Uh, another pair of uh, Jamaicans were Sam and Delroy Morgan. Yes, Sammy Morgan, a short um, opening batsman, um, again, uh, very pr- promising, uh, but had a very short career, and, and maybe had he um, stayed along longer, um, uh, Sammy Morgan, that he was referred um, to as, um, w- w- would have maybe just, uh, maybe had given himself a chance. I don't believe that Sammy Morgan's career was long enough. Mm. Mm. There was one or two uh, players who uh, did gain some notoriety uh, in West Indian colours, as it were, uh, but not in the colours of the, the, the full national side, uh, who went to South Africa uh, on the Rebel Tours of the mid-80s. Um, Emerson Trotman was one of those, I'm right in thinking. Yes, Emerson Trotman was um, on the verge, and um, I would think that uh, maybe on a long tour of Australia... Uh, or, or England uh, could have been the sort of player who probably would have gotten in away uh, going to India, for example. Uh, I don't believe that he would have broken in in the West Indies, but there were a number of players like Trotman 
who needed an opportunity um, to play, um, you know, to, to, to play at home. I mean, like Everton Mattis, um, mm. the attractive Jamaican right-hander, uh, he got in at home, you know, and didn't m- maintain his uh, place for, 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 for other reasons. But I, I think uh, Trotman then made a great contribution to, to cricket in Holland. And uh, I, I think right now he's still making a contribution to the Barbados Cricket Association at the coaching level. Mm. Uh, another uh, Jamaican, I think, was uh, Cleveland Davidson. Uh, Cleveland Davidson was very workmanlike. Um, I don't believe anybody ever saw Cleveland Davidson as a, 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 a test player. But he was a real kind of sergeant major, worked extremely hard at his cricket, a fighter, uh, didn't give up his, his, his wicket very, very easily. Um, but I don't believe good enough uh, to have made the transition into um, a test passman, just didn't get he, enough runs to maybe capture the attention of the selectors. Mm. Uh, another couple of Guyanese that... Uh... Tony Becker recalled with Timo Mohamed and uh, Sudesh Daniram. Well, Mohamed might have been very unlucky because um, he was pulled in on a tour of England and uh, got a hundred against minor counties, played against Warwickshire, if I recall well, batted very well against Warwickshire, and when the team was to be selected uh, for the next test match, they decided that they would pick the team from the original lineup, and Mohammed didn't get an opportunity. But he certainly, on selection, uh, had done enough because of injury to have made his way into the test side. And that was the one opportunity, and one opportunity missed a classical left-handed batsman, highly respected in, in the region. He had a, a David Gower-type style, very easy, mm. uh, lovely um, strike of the ball. And, um, you know, unfortunate that he just missed that one opportunity. Um, Daniel Ram seemed to be a player who um, did very well on the border ground. Uh, I think he had back-to-back hundreds, but I didn't quite back that up with getting more scores outside of Guyana. And uh, I think the early promise uh, just did not come true. Mm. There's only two names left on the uh, Becker's roll call of uh, uh, Forgotten Greats. Both of them a couple of fast bowlers we haven't uh, discussed. Uh, one was Rudy Cohen and the other Prince Bartholomew. Well, Prince Bartholomew, I think, ideally, had we in fact um, played the shorter form of the game, I think Prince Bartholomew would have made an excellent 50-over um, player. He, he had the game both with the bat and with the ball. He was more known maybe for his, his bowling, but his, his batting was very useful. And uh, like, like, like uh, a, a number of people in, in the 50s and, and the 60s, had we been the former, uh, had we been playing the short format of the game, he probably w- would have gotten in. Um, same thing, maybe I can refer back to Luther Kelly. Mm. Luther Kelly from St. Kitts Nevis. Um, had the shorter form of the game been played then, I think that Luther Kelly would have probably qualified to have played uh, um, for the West Indies at the one international level, at the 2020 level, mm. David. Mm. 
No, I think I think we've done a full justice to uh, Tony Becker's uh, list of players and to his piece. Um, t- Tony Becker's a, a name that's not really known very well outside of the Caribbean, and that's a shame because he's a very good writer, isn't he? Yes, um, I, I don't know why because um, I, I I toured I toured with Tony. I I, I went to India with Tony. I went to England with Tony a couple of times. I went to Australia with Tony. Tony and I covered the World Cup. But um, you know, he was a very modest, uh, quiet individual. Um, he was not um, uh, on your hair in the press box very often. He went around his business um, quite um, quietly. Uh, highly respected, um, a man who writes it as it is. He's, he's, not, he's not afraid um, to, to, to say basically uh, what he um, he feels is wrong or, or right, uh, and a very pleasant, pleasant personality, and a relationship that myself and, and Tony Koja uh, would cherish when we think of the name uh, Tony Becker. Uh, a colleague and a, 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 a great Jamaican. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's uh, it's something that uh, I confess irritates me that there's not enough coverage of the Caribbean from the wider world, and not, and particularly not enough coverage of some very good writers in the region, like Tony Becker. Tony Cozia is known to the wider world, and you know, let's hope he keeps going for many years yet with uh, his excellent coverage of the region. Uh, Garth Watley's a, a, another person we don't hear enough of outside of the Caribbean. He's a very good writer too. Well, one of the problems with um, regional newspapers that years ago where Garth Watley, for for example, uh, let's say Hayden Gill, and I can call on the names, mm. Hayden Gill from The Nation, um, when uh, the newspapers were financially strong, they would be sent to cover each and every test match. And that has changed, and you'll find that God Watley will cover um, the Port of Spain test match, and maybe Ezra Stewart or Hayden Gill will cover the test match in, um, in at Kensington. And someone from, 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 from Jamaica writing for the Gleaner, for example, will cover for the test for the newspapers in the Eastern Caribbean. So I think that opportunity now to see writers developing further has been lost because of the simple question of the the, the cost um, of, of running a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and we now live in a time when we have um, uh, the excellence and dominance of uh, ESPN Crick Info uh, covering world, uh, world cricket, but I confess I'm very disappointed in them that the very limited coverage they do give of the the, the West Indies, and uh, I'm aware that they don't even have a full-time correspondent. That's something I would like them to really look into. There's some very good journalists in the region, uh, some younger ones too, that would uh, be able to take on that role. Yes, they've got Tony Cozia, but it does need more coverage, the Caribbean. Well, I don't believe ESPN is fair to um, competitions in uh, the... Uh, region. Uh, I'm not talking about just when international sites come. Sometimes I, I, I look um, for more information in some of our, like the Clive Lloyd 50 over um, in, in Trinidad. Uh, that mm. doesn't get a lot of coverage um, on ESPN. Um, I don't believe our first class 
cricket, you might get the occasional score, but no great detailed scorecard. I don't believe that ESPN is given um, the same kind of coverage as they give to other parts of the world. And it's kind of unfair, and, and it, it, it's probably hurting a bit when you know the kind of contribution that the, the West Indies made there to, to cricket. Saving cricket in 1966-61 in Australia, and well, the ESPN I might say, well, we weren't around then, but I think definitely you can make the point that they can give a little more coverage um, to our regional cricket um, at uh, the, the various levels. Mm. No, absolutely, and uh, we've mentioned a few names there of people that are respected uh, journalists and broadcasters. I mean, there's others that would be up to the task and could take on more, like obviously Fazir Mohammed, uh, Sean Devers, Colin Benjamin, Philip Hackett. There is, there's, there's a lot of quality in the Caribbean. I would like really quick info to look closely at the region and spend some more time there. I'm sure you agree with me. Yes, I would agree with that. And, you know, you call names there that maybe not enough four-day cricket is being covered and uh, not enough... Um, Maybe commentators are traveling as much as this used to happen. But again, it probably comes back to cost. And there, in some cases, um, a four-day game might be playing in country X or country Y, and radio might not be carrying um, ball by ball. Mm. Um, you might get scores coming up thanks to the West Indies board at lunchtime, tea time, close of play. Um, but the days of ball by ball, um, here it comes back to sponsorship, cost of carrying first class cricket, um, which used to be not a problem in, in, in the 50s, 60s, 70s and, and, and 80s. But, mm. you know, um, with the economic turn down of the Caribbean, um, some things, you know, just uh, haven't got the same prominence. Mm, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm aware I've mentioned uh, quite a few names there. I now feel guilty that there's one or two I haven't mentioned who are equally as uh, capable. People like Colin Croft and Ronaldo Matadine and Vinod Manchan. There's a, there's a lot of good quality uh, writing and broadcasting in the region. Um, I do hope that uh, they'll tap into that in the future. Um, Riggs, it's been lovely as ever chatting to you. will be coming up uh, uh, very very soon because uh, what we've done here the last couple of days is to have a couple of specials, our, our stroll down memory lane but we haven't forgotten that we do need to catch up on the, the week's events in uh, uh, cricket in the Caribbean and outside as well and uh, we'll be looking to do that in the next day or two. I want to thank you again Reds for being with me Well my pleasure always and uh, information is good for the younger folks in the Caribbean maybe to have a little look back at, at, at yesteryear and look back at some of the players that they might not have known about but players who were um, you know quality players when, when first class cricket was at a very high level in, in, in the Caribbean to get runs and get to get wickets in those days was not a, a simple matter mm -hmm. well not a simple matter now and let's, let's hope that they can start building from the bottom up again 
That's all we've got time for. This has been uh, part two of a special edition of the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I want to thank the listeners for joining us, and I hope that they can do so again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>